What's up, people? Welcome back to another episode of Kickoff Sessions Podcast. You're joined with me, your host, Darren Lee, and on this episode, I am joined with Chris Holmes. Chris is very targeted towards my careers podcast. It's a very good mix. She has deep, deep experience in careers, career advice, offering career counseling to different people of different backgrounds. She is the author of the best-selling book, Ignite Your Career, Strategies and Tactics to Unleash Your Potential. Information in her book was built during 25 years at O'Connell Group, where she's placed more than 1,000 candidates and counseled more than 20,000 people on how to navigate their careers. That is a whole lot of people, and that is why it is an awesome experience to get Chris on my podcast today to discuss everything around careers. Her book is targeted at students graduating college for people changing careers or those just seeking to move up in their industry and needing to dust off their resume and build new interview skills. A little bit more of a background on Chris, so after a decade in marketing, she joined O'Connell Group in 1995 and in 25 years as an executive recruiter, she's been passionate about building strong relationships, acting as a trusted advisor and mentor while building many client businesses and candidate careers. Prior to the O'Connell Group, she spent a decade in consumer packaged goods, retail and durable at Johnson Johnson, Kraft, Marshall Fields, Herman Miller and Continental Baking Company. In 2016, Chris was accepted to the Pinnacle Society, which is a premier consortium in the top 80 industry leading recruiters in North America. She also graduated from Tufts University and earned an MBA from Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. And you can also find Chris's book, Ignite Your Career, on Amazon. It's a number one bestseller with over 100 reviews at the moment of five-star reviews. And you can also find it on her website, igniteyourcareerbook.com. So yes, the topic of discussion today is careers, and we take it from three different slants. It's ground zero, day one of your career, and how do we ignite your career in the best possible way, looking at different ways. We also take a look at career changes. So yes, you might want to do a little bit of a pivot, a bit of a change after a couple of years. Chris goes deep on these topics. And the last area is interviewing, applications, CV building. How do we put all of our experience through these different avenues? And how do we get across the best possible message to have the best possible career? This was an awesome podcast. I loved Chris's energy, all of her background, and she's so passionate about this topic, and so am I. That's why this is a really awesome podcast. So just before we start, if you enjoyed this episode and want to share it on Instagram, that would be hugely appreciated, or let me know your thoughts and some feedback. So I'll leave it right here. Here is my conversation with Chris Holmes on Igniting Your Career. Chris, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Kickoff Sessions. I think our mix between your book, your LinkedIn, and my podcast is a fantastic mix for today. All around careers for younger people, slightly older people, or just people in general who are looking for to essentially ignite their career, just like your book. Thanks so much, Darren. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, it's a, it's really good though because it's a good mix, and I think uh, with all the experience you have, like over 20 years experience now. Um, and then for someone like myself who has two, three years experience, it's a good like mix because we're trying to accumulate that, I suppose, but trying to get mm-hmm. to the right um, 
I don't know, try to do the right things along the way can be quite difficult. And it's only with retrospect you can look back and say, ah, I should have taken that job or I shouldn't have done that interview. I should have done this differently. So I think maybe from yourself, just getting your perspective would be great like that, you know. So before we get going, if you want to give a short background to yourself and why you're expert of the day for careers. Absolutely. So, Darren, um, I am a partner at the O'Connell Group, and we are a recruiting firm specializing in marketing and market research. I have been here for over 25 years. Before that, I spent a decade in marketing at uh, companies such as Johnson & Johnson, Kraft, Herman Miller, and the division of Nestle Purina. Mm-hmm. Went to Kellogg Business School, was spent a stint in retail, went to Tufts. Um, and I will tell you, out of college, I had no clue what I wanted to do, really and truly. I fell into retail. Um, and while there, I was in a training program. And my first year, I was in the cosmetic department as assistant manager, loved it. And the second year, I was supposed to go be an assistant buyer. And something inside me said, uh-uh, I can't do that. That is not right. And shockingly, I went to HR and said, I don't think I can do that job. And, and I look back on that and said, how could I do that? But I was really lucky because HR was open and they said, okay, well, we happen to have a position here in HR. What do you think about that? And I was like, okay, I'll try that. Moved into HR, loved it, um, but also missed being part of the business, which is what took me to Kellogg Business School. And I was so lucky to get in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And while there, I fell in love with marketing, which is what took me into brand for that decade. Um, And in my brand career, I was good, not great. There were parts of my job I was really great at, and there were other parts that were a real grind. I I got through, but it was not easy. I had to work twice as hard as other people. And it wasn't until my company was sold that um, I called my favorite recruiter and said, get me a job in St. Louis, Missouri, where we live. We wanted to raise our kids there. And he threw out, come work for me that it really made me think, well, okay, uh, that's out of the blue, but it made me step back and say, what are the favorite parts of my job? And when I did that analysis, Darren, it became really evident that every single part of the job that I loved had to do with people. It was dealing with people, it was interacting with people. And as I thought about it, the recruiting field, every single thing you did dealt with people. And I talked to mentors and they all said, I think you'd be really good at that. Go try it for a year. You can always come back. And as I stepped into recruiting from day one, it felt like breathing and it almost felt easy. And I was really good at it. So good that it felt, um, I felt guilty because it didn't feel like working. It was really weird. And after about 10 years in recruiting at the O'Connell Group, where I've been the entire time, my boss had us take something called Strength Finders, which kind of isolates your strengths. And doing that, that's when I realized why I was good, because all of my strengths tied into dealing with people. So that was the aha moment for me. Oh, oh, this is why I'm good at this. So that's a long-winded explanation of my background. Um, and, and, you know, it was really through my 25 years at O'Connell Group, which I've loved. I've mentored a lot of college kids, done presentations, came to the realization that there's a need out there for the information that we share with our candidates. And that's why I wrote this book 
for college kids, students, young professionals, and career changers to really help them find their strengths and align their strengths with their career and help them achieve what I did. Mm-hmm. That's awesome as well, because like, it seems like, you know, it took you so long to identify where your strengths were, but you always had yeah. them. It's not like you were, it's not like you were just trying to try different things. You know, you could see that you're mm-hmm. outgoing, sociable, you could communicate and build relationships. And I'm quite similar as well. Like I'm not technical, even though I'd work in a technical role sometimes. Yeah. Whereas like a lot of my strengths would lie on the client side, would lie with the stakeholders and I've naturally gravitated towards but I suppose when you just start off your career, it's very difficult to know what you're good at and what you're kind of bad at, you know? So starting from like ground zero, even approaching things like your skills and things like this, would you kind of encourage getting a broad base knowledge and kind of awareness of different areas so that you could find out what your skills are and what your kind of weaknesses are? Or do you think you should be trying trying to figure out, okay, for myself, I'm a good communicator. Maybe let's go, let's work hard on improving that skill until I develop it further? Like what, how would you kind of think about something like that? Uh, It's a great question. So um, the first chapter of my book is figure out your superpowers and your strengths. Mm. And I really believe the earlier you can do that, the better off you are. So if you, and, and people are even doing it now with high school kids and certainly with college kids, but if you can figure out how your brain is wired, Um, and and taking a step back, there are two different types of strengths. Some are how your brain is wired. So what your innate strengths are and what your innate weaknesses are. And, and those over time will not change. It's like you said, you are just a people person and you're outgoing and you can connect with anybody that analytical muscle while you can move the needle a little bit, it's never going to be a superpower. The other ones are what I call developmental. And they're just things you haven't done yet. Once you're exposed to them and you practice them over and over, you can convert those to strengths. So we're not talking about those things. Um, But if you can figure out how your brain is wired and there are assessments you can take, then what you can do out of the blocks is look at careers where you're set up for success day one. Versus like I did, you know, thinking about going into that buyer role, my intuition told me, "Uh uh-uh, danger, 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 don't go there, this will not end well. But I didn't know why. But if had I taken that assessment, I would have known, oh, it's because the analytical part is not ever going to be my strong suit. So I'm not set up to be a superstar here. So it should not be a role that I go into. It's just not going to be where I am a huge success. So the other thing in college, if you think about it, I know that there were so many choices and so many directions you could go into that it kind of is overwhelming. And you also look at your peers. You know, you said you went to Accenture at great credential and everything else. You know, people who go to McKinsey and Amazon and all these really big names. And you look at them and kind of think, wow, I should be doing something like that. And it's called fear of missing out or FOMO. When in reality, if you knew your strengths and and where they took you to, you might still be envious of that person. It's like, that's cool. You know, Joe's going to Amazon 
And it's great he got that that job, but boy, I would not be successful there. And I know that about myself. I should be going to this artist colony because I am a creative soul. And that's where I'm going to make my mark. If you know that, it's powerful and it grounds you and it sets you on the right path from day one. So that's what I would urge people to do. There are two different tests that I love. One is called Strengths Finders. And the other one is called U Science, Y-O-U Science. Strengths Finders asks you to share your perception. Do you like A or B better? And you tell them that. And out of that, it gives you, here are your five strengths. Here's some careers where you could use them. U Science has you play nine, eight-minute computer games. And from those, it tells you how your brain is hardwired. Again, giving you five different strengths and where you could take them. I tell people to take both of them, but when they do, they kind of walk away saying, wow, I feel like somebody just read my diary. This is really freaky, but it's also really good knowledge to have. And I think will help young people as well as people who are struggling because they're just not hitting their stride in their role. And they feel like they may be in the wrong place. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree, especially like young people, super influenced, especially myself. So yes. when I moved into something like um, Accenture, now <laughs> consulting was a great choice for me, actually, in terms of a skill set, because I can just talk garbage for yes. days. But <laughs> yeah. having said that, though, it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. And because of that, I felt that I picked that choice because it was more... I don't know, is it as strong as a word to say social pressure, but definitely because of the fact that everyone had been going for those types of companies, it had definitely influenced me subconsciously. And I ended up doing something like that. And I actually just wrote a LinkedIn post about that today, how, you know, when you're younger, you're easily influenced to making these decisions. And, and that's where it becomes more difficult because it's like, as, as you said there about the other degree, the other courses you'd like to do or other um, paths, like I would often like fantasize about working in straight up finance. You know, it could be like, you know, as a quant trader or whatever, I don't, I'm very interested in that area, but I know myself, I wouldn't be fantastic at it, you know? Right. So <laughs> it's like, just because I kind of want, I kind of like the idea of it could be wall street or whatever, doesn't necessarily mean that's, that's suited towards me. So I think trying to take that bird's eye view and not taking other people's opinions, which is so difficult to do in the first place, is very important in career because when you're looking at this as well, it's difficult to change change career or at least a time period is quite difficult. So, you know, you might go with a company for a year or two years and then make a decision then. So it's not like we're making these decisions overnight, you know? So I suppose, you know, what other kind of advice would you have from ground zero? So apart from skills, but where do you go from there to say, okay, I've decided to look at company X, Y, and Z. How should I know that this is where I want to go? Because some grad programs actually lock you in. I don't know, is that common in the States? But some of them, you're actually locked in for two to three years as a contract because they'll either pay your, um, you know, your, your bill, your, not your bills, but your exams or something like that. So they are big investments. You know, that's kind of one thing to consider. Right. Well, and if that is the case, then I would tell you, um, you go in eyes wide open mm-hmm. and, and you go in saying, I'm, I'm signing up for this tour of duty. It's kind of like here in the States, if somebody, you know, the military pays and you go in and you're, you're paying, you're paying back. 
And what I would tell you in that case is your goal is to build your skills and to check off as many boxes as you can as you're doing your tour of duty. So it might be analytical, it might be project management, it might be leadership, but take that time to learn as much as you can, to develop relationships, to find mentors, to network throughout the company, and to also figure out what do I like and what don't I like? Because that is really critical as you think about where do you go from here? And having crystal crystallize both of those things will help you figure out where to go. The other thing that I think is really important, and I have a chapter dedicated to this, is culture fit. You know, it's how do you feel about the company and what what elements of the culture resonate with you and, and what would you really like to change? Do you, do you like the process that they have or does it drive you crazy? You've got to get five approvals. Um, you know, do you like the fact that it's a nine to five and you can leave or, you know, would you rather have it now after COVID work from home? Or do you want to be someplace where you're in the office and you get to see people and you guys go out after work? So figuring out those things as well is really important. And I think a lot of young professionals entered the workforce during COVID. So some people have never been in the office and now they're thinking, I like this work from home. And all my only counsel to them would be give it a chance because I think Getting in the office, being around other people is really important. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, those lunchtime conversations and going out for a beer after work and, and building those friendships, which, yes, you can build a relationship like we are right now, Darren, but it's a very different thing in person. So work from home is nice, but I think there's something to be said about hybrid um versus pure work from home that's just my perspective i agree with you as well like so i joined my recent company revolute uh, remotely uh in january now so i've been remote the entire time but the whole company has actually been remote which is quite funny as in everyone is like a new joiner because it's kind of a startup so like there's so much people join the company but it's interesting because like you, as exactly as you said it's kind of like when you do something really difficult with someone if you're like you know playing a sport or doing activity or things like this you build a relationship with them and you kind of lose that when you are um, remote but what I have seen which has helped me a lot is because we are remote and I'm in a global company I just have all these 15-30 minute meetings of people I'll literally just put 15 minutes in someone's diary be like hey do you want to catch up they could be based in Singapore they could be based in New York and it's fantastic like that because the culture set up for let's do these short meetings and things like this. So it's as if we still have a, a baseline understanding, but I get you, there's no depth to the, to the real like conversation if it's only for 15 minutes or whatnot, you know, but that's really interesting because I think you touched on a good point there about, you know, building a connection, building a, a network. And I think that word, I suppose, is nearly almost looked down on when people are saying like uh, build a network straight away when they just come out of college because people don't understand the the power and the, the importance of it and why it's so important people just think oh I'll do my work I definitely thought that when I first did my internship in London with uh, State Street I it's actually it's actually it's funny to look back on now but I always thought that like the work will do itself and that will be enough but having said that a year later my mentor my manager I still keep in contact with and the 
the importance of building a good trusting relationship and that's someone who can stay in your corner and fight for you when you when you need to and things like this give you advice has been really helpful you know so when people join companies how would you advise people to build a network that is natural and kind of organic and that they can yeah I presume really kind of improve the relationship throughout time and throughout years yeah and um I'll talk about that and then I'll talk beyond that so um I am a huge believer in networking and not networking when you need a job but networking for life and and that it really can um it can strengthen not just your career, but, but your life. Um, and so as you're talking about it, um, networking, when you're working at a company, you get to know the people you work with intimately, and that's great. But if anybody leaves today, you're so lucky because you have LinkedIn and, and you have cell phones, you can text people, but it's so much easier to touch and you want to make sure you really do that. Then the other thing is there are going to be other people, like you said, that you come in contact with. If you're in person and in my world in marketing way back when, you know, ask the operations person to grab a coffee. If it's somebody you respect or you like, but reach out of your immediate network and network throughout the company. Ask a VP if they'd give you advice on, you know, a couple different jobs you've been offered, but just have tentacles throughout and make it your um, mission to network and not network with a, can you get me a job in mind? Network with a, I want to get to know you. I want to get your story. I want to hear your wisdom. Tell me about any mistakes you've seen other people like me make. And, and can I, you know, come back and just make sure I stay in touch with you. So you want to do that at your company, but I would tell you, Darren, you want to go back to, this sounds weird, your high school your college, um, family and friends who you grew up with and happen to be in your industry. These are all people you have something in common with. And so you really want to network with them as well. And the broader your network, the more powerful it is. And you want to reach up and out, but also down. And you want to make sure you're giving back to people and then if and when you do need a job, it's so easy to activate that muscle versus trying to do it cold. And it's so natural. So I'm a huge proponent in networking and staying in touch. And, and a great example is with my book, because I network and part of networking is my job, but instinctively I've done it forever. Because of that, when I wrote my book, I was able to reach out to people like Bob Eckert, who was the past CEO of Mattel, who had been my boss at Kraft, and people um, like Mike Kernish, who had been um, a candidate of mine, but also was head of books at Amazon, and Mike Barkley, who was CEO, who is CEO at Kind Snacks, and all these people who were really high up, but were delighted to write recommendations in my book because of the relationship that I had built through networking. Mm -hmm. So huge proponent. It's a really important thing to do. It's as important as anything else you do. And I would tell people, think about it like an annuity, spend 10 minutes a day networking, and it will be, it will pay back in spades throughout your entire career. Yeah, I completely agree. Because I think what's so cool as well, as you said, there was, as you 
you know, grew up in your career, as you expanded your career, the people that were around you became more specialized, became more professional, more senior, and then you could leverage off them when you needed to. And I can see that myself, as you said there about um, networking kind of organically or, you know, just naturally. Like a lot of my friends are, they're all, they're all very intelligent people. They're all, even my classmates, you know, people that are in different careers completely. And they're all kind of doing their own natural career cycle now. So again, you touch off these people and they'll similarly touch off you when you get to those stages. But I think a great, a great approach is because I'm not a good, like I'm not a, a big like texter or emailer. I'll just send voice notes to my mates. So even guys that were in a center with me, I'll just literally send 30 minute, 30 second voice note, check in, see how they're doing, see how their work is, things like this. And yeah, leave it at that, you know, um, because again, we could be all different sides of the world and things like this. But the main thing is that we stay connected because one, we want to, and because we're kind of like friends and whatnot, but I think there's many different benefits to it, you know? So I think that's a, that's a huge area that I, I think cannot be stressed enough. Absolutely. And, and the beauty of it is then, you know, some of these people have reached out to me. So they're asking me to help their kids. And it's so awesome when the circle comes around mm. and, and I can do something back for them. So it's, it's really cool. Mm. And it's cool as well how, you know, you're looking for like career advice. People need it from yourself. Mm-hmm. But again, it ha- it's like these principles haven't changed, you know, 20 years ago. It's still you're looking to figure out your skills there, feeling to build a network, you know. So on the topic of building a network or changing careers and trying to navigate different careers, so if you are experienced or you've gathered a couple of years experience, but you think that it's time to change company or even change industry, how would you kind of navigate doing that from leaving company A to company B? So a little bit of background. So my background is in tech. I did business information systems. So it's kind of like um, it's like business with software engineering, not that much software engineering now, but kind of like that. So I was in consulting from there because pretty natural, but I wanted to transition into finance. And even though I still consider myself to be underqualified for my role, I tried to make, I made that that decision to move across into a more finance role, which was difficult. Um, And it took me quite some time and I had to be very, very calculated with how my CV was prepared and how I went around interviewing in terms of using the skills from job A for job B. But, you know, how would you recommend making those types of transitions and what sort of a process would you, would you follow? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I, I think you really touched on something very important, which is whatever you're doing today, um, you have built skills. And, and so the key thing is to know what those skills are, you know, analytical, you know, project management, um, leadership, whatever those things are and be able to really demonstrate those skills and have examples, how those skills have helped you deliver results, because that's the key, you know, responsibilities, but then, you know, what do you, what have you done and what have you delivered? Um, and you want to be able to be able to help them see how those skills will translate into a new industry. And that is the key to to doing it well. But um, Darren, in my book, I have an analogy, which is you think about your career like a tree. And your goal in my world in marketing is to build a sturdy trunk 
and then to get up as high up on the tree before you branch out. What you're talking about is kind of building a new tree. So it's, it's figuring out what your skills are that, that are transferable, but you're probably going to have to build a new tree, which means that not everything's going to be transferable. You're going to have to learn a new category. Like you said, it's going to be more challenging because you've got to paint the picture for them. It's not an obvious one. So you may have to come down a level. You may have to come down a little bit on compensation because you are going to be learning more than you would if you were staying on your same tree. Um, and so it's how clear is your resume? How clear have you demonstrated what your skills are, your results? And then how clear can you paint the picture in the interview itself? Meaning, you know, this is what I did. This is what I delivered. And this is why it is transferable and relevant in your industry. So it's the one, two, three punch is what I think you have to do. Mm -hmm. That's interesting because a lot of people get too caught up on what they don't know. So they could figure yes. up and like, oh, I don't know any about this, you know, but I think what's a very um, humbling experience is if you're in an interview is just to say straight up to understand it. You know, you have your strengths over here and this is what I am lacking or I'm going to learn. So what happened to me in that situation was similar to there. I had, like I said, a project management skills, which is what we needed or whatever. And what I lacked is obviously the finance background and the finance knowledge. And I just said that, you know, I have been always interested in the area, you know, I'm really interested in it. I want to learn more about it, but all the other mechanics of my day-to-day -day activity, I understand those. And here's my, here's my experience. I know I've delivered these projects. I've, you know, the consultant in me will always go on delivery, which is again, is so important for interviewing or career changes. And then I would have had all of these different segments of pieces of work. You don't even need that money. You know, I had like two or three different areas that I felt I had worked well on. And then would said that, okay, now the gaps are in these areas of finance, but I'm willing to, to learn and to really progress on over a series of time. And I think when you are still two to three years experience and you're quite young, you're not meant to know everything. So I think, even who it was the CEO of my company who actually is my actual manager now, who's actually a mentor and friend. And I think she even like would, she recognized that he didn't need to know everything at the time. You know, he was coming in for this role and he has all the other stuff. And now I've been actively working on the, the black, the black spots or the blind spots that I've always had in my, um, in my kind of infantry at the time. So yeah, it's quite an interesting uh, concept and, go approach saying that I don't need to know everything and I'll fill in the gaps. Well, and I think there you can also have an example where you can demonstrate where you pick something up very quickly mm. and you went above and beyond to close a gap, a develop, like we talked about before, a developmental gap. Mm. Here was something that I had to learn here, are the plan I put in place here, are the steps I took and how I converted that from an opportunity area to a strength. And an example like that also shows you don't look to them to solve your problem, you proactively go at it. And those are the type of people the companies wanna hire. I think what's interesting there is that it's all based off, you know, I will be able to acquire these skills, I'll be able to master it down the road. And they kind of have trust and faith in you that, okay, you know, this person has built so much experience in a certain area, 
it's transferable and it will it will again you know figure it out as as they go along how do you like with your experience what's your thoughts on like transition courses or some sort of further education to bridge a gap when people want to change career or move in different area so again a background story if when when was it i think it was maybe maybe june july of 2020 and i wanted to make the move into finance and i was considering different masters programs so I actually got one scholarship, which was in a university in Dublin, but it was two years. And in my head, I was thinking, could I really stick this out for two years? Because I really didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do the master's as a transition because I just didn't want to right. put that time into still being in a company and working for two years on, um, on education. So there was that option, which I decided not to do. Second option then was to sp- take one year out and do a master's in London, which was 40,000 euro okay which is like $60,000 um and I decided against that because I didn't have the money to do that so and in, in the end I did nothing um and then I just worked harder on my interviewing and whatnot but what would you recommend do you think transition courses are a good way to bridge the gap um and take some time out to do something like that I think it depends on the situation and the person uh, for you, I, I think you found an opportunity that's going to give you the real life experience and the, the just-in-time training that's going to help you fill your gaps. I think some other people, um, depending on you know how they learn, I think it also depends how people learn. Some people learn much better by doing. And they retain the information much better that way. Some people learn better, you know, through school and then complementing that by doing that one, two punch sticks with them better. And so I think knowing yourself and, and I will tell you, Darren, I come at it two different ways because I have two kids in business school right now in the U.S. One of them um, is getting an executive MBA. So she's still working because she is in the music industry and she doesn't want to leave it. She wants to continue on the same trajectory. She just wants to augment her analytical skills. Her goal is to hopefully one day run a label. And she felt like she, she had some gaps. So she's just working really hard while she works and, and augmenting. Um, my son uh, wanted to transition. And so in the U.S., the best way to transition is to go back and get your MBA. And and that way you really get to explore a lot of things. So he's at Northwestern at Kellogg Business School. He was at Amazon. Now he's doing a startup for his internship. So for him, it's the right thing, but it's not for everybody. So I think it depends on the person. I also have a lot of candidates with digital e-commerce you know, going crazy in the marketing world, they are taking online classes um, through top universities to really build that skill set while they work. So they're doing that too, as they want to transition to it. So they're getting the knowledge and then they're trying to build their skill set internally and then move. So they're doing it that way. So there are all different ways you can do it. And, And yours was one, my kids are one and my candidates are another one. Yeah, it it always is subjective to the individual. Yes. And just depends what um what suits them best, you know. But again, the all these things uh they should be like taken with a lot of like consideration. I think that's the main takeaway there. You know, it's that 
you shouldn't jump in to do a master's because your friend is doing it or it seems like or the or or the comp or the college is telling you to do it you know because they'll obviously just want more students and more people to employ so i think you need someone that is in your corner which is um an objective view maybe and uh going to give you some sound proper advice is my main takeaway and that's where that networking and the mentors the people who are senior can really help you think through. And part of that also ties into if you have a sense for where do you want to be long-term? That will help you make some of the decisions. You know, some, depending on where you want to be long-term in the U.S., some companies require you to get that master's. Some don't, you know? And, And so the mentor will be able to help you kind of think through what makes the most sense. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I completely agree as well. So I think that's a good way actually to discuss around like, you know, pushing on your career and really moving up. So again, you know, pretty ambitious guy. I'd like to see, you know, like myself progress through a career approach over the next couple of years, hopefully get to some sort of leadership roles relatively soon. You know, I'd like to be able to push towards something like that. But I suppose my kind of question is, how would I kind of enable myself to get to those different types of roles or anyone that's listening? So how would you really approach something like that from moving from a role, which by you, you manage yourself towards maybe going to the next stage. So a lot of people would work maybe in tech companies, consulting firms or something like this. And to get to that stage whereby you go from two to three years experience, maybe four to five years experience of sound actual experience, what would you recommend? So um, I'm going to come at it a different way. My book has a chapter um, about the phases of your career. And I believe there are three phases. There's learn, do, leverage. And and like you said, you're an ambitious guy and you want to move really fast. And what I tell people is take a breath. Because it is really important in that early phase, that learn phase, to build a really strong foundation and to get, you know, to learn best practices. Because before you get to the doing phase, you want to know how to do everything really well. Because when you get to the doing phase, you have people working for you and you've got to teach other people. And if you moved really fast, like in my world in marketing, somebody might, you know, be at a big company and be offered a job to move after two years and go to a much smaller company where even they're heading up marketing. And I've had people do this where they're like, yes, I move really fast. My title's director. But the problem is they haven't built all their skill sets. They have nobody to continue to learn from. And They've moved to the doing or even the leveraging phase way too fast, and it's actually detrimental to their long-term career. So I would tell you, while you want to move fast, the best way to build your long-term career is make sure in that foundational time that you get best practices, which means either working for a big company or working for people who can teach you best practices, so that in that doing phase, You know what you're doing. You can teach others. You can deliver superior results. Then when you get to the leveraging phase, what happens there is you have a lot of people working for you and you're really not doing the work. 
you're managing the people who are doing the work, who are delivering the results. 100% because I can even see that that's why people might get stuck in middle management roles because they've got to that position. They can manage a team of, I don't know, you know, a small project team, but they don't necessarily have the skills to go on any further. And I could even see that myself, you know, because where I'm at at the moment, I suppose I would know some things, but then there would also be, you know, clear gaps in my knowledge, in my experience. And like, it's, it's kind of like, if someone asks you a question, you know it. If someone asks you the next question, you kind of don't know it. If someone asks you the third question, you don't know it, you know? So that goes on with the depth of knowledge and understanding and awareness, which is huge to discuss anything in a good way to describe it is like, if you were to explain, um, I don't know, to talk about a topic, you'd need to really know, be able to talk about something for 10 minutes to be able to really understand it and go into detail. I think that's a, a good kind of version of what it's going to be like if you're not doing it anymore because we all know like people that are just constantly you know offloading work and delegating work because I suppose at that stage they don't have the ability to go and actually do it any for any further right right so I would just tell you you know think about building a strong foundation and even in the conclusion of the book I talk about a candidate who you know, kind of junior. And, you know, I had an offer at a training company for him, but he also got two other offers. He was a really good interviewers that have more money, bigger title, but we talked about this concept and he came back to me and said, you know what? I really thought about what you said. And I have my entire life to make a lot of money. I only have today to build my foundation. And, and I have watched him and he got promoted. He went to the foundational company and he continued to build his foundation and he got promoted and he is a superstar and he is going to be a shining star because of that foundation. Had he gone to the other companies, he would have faltered. So it's, it's, it's thinking long-term. And, and, and believe me, Darren, as people read my book, they will laugh because they'll see all the places I screwed up. I mean, I did time and time again. I wish I had me in my ear back then Mm -hmm. because I would have stopped making a lot of mistakes. And that's quite interesting as well. When you said about people moving to a company, potentially going up, but then stagnating versus if you move to a role that you're more comfortable on, you learn more and then potentially like move up faster or make much more better career decisions over a longer yeah. period because I suppose that's how companies will get you as well as in with how lower you win is they'll give you the 10% or 20% pay increase the new title but again you could be stuck at this level then for three to five years where right. whereas that's not the actual correct path well another thing I'm really big on visuals is think about it this way if you go into a new company in a job you've already done you know you know how to do the job. The company is new. The culture's new. The people are new. So there's a lot of new. But if you know the job, you can actually go in and be a superstar because you know what you're doing. If though everything else is new and the job is new, you've never done it before. It's impossible to be a superstar walking in the door. And the thing for people to remember is first impressions are lasting impressions. So I tell people it's often better to go in laterally and blow them away and get promoted because the other thing on a resume, getting promoted in a move says you interview well. It says nothing else. 
getting promoted at a company says you perform well. It's a much more powerful move. That's so interesting. Yeah. I never thought about it like that because again, when you're in interviews, people always ask you, have you been promoted in your company? You know, have right. you shown progression? Has right. there been career progression? So yeah, that's definitely the, the definite way forward because otherwise you could move into a contract role, which I'm not too sure are they familiar, are they very common in, a, in the States, but definitely in the UK, yeah. in the UK, they're hugely popular and essentially okay. you can go in and get a day rate contract of 600 pounds a day. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're good in the role because contract roles are, are short, the three yeah. months, whatever, because you could have several ones, but not be sure moving up or getting promoted. Right. Interesting concept, right. you know. But Chris, I'd like to say a massive thank you. I really appreciate all your time. We have went through, you know, more than enough for, for one day. But I think uh, <laughs> I'd love to do something similar again in the future because I yeah. think what's awesome is just the fact that I think that all this stuff is just so transferable and it doesn't matter what your background, what your career is, we all are going through similar difficulties and similar scenarios a lot of the time. So getting your advice and your feedback has been awesome today. Awesome. Well, it was great chatting with you. I really loved it. And there we have it for yet another episode. I'd just say a massive thank you to Chris. This was loads of fun, loads of great information, great just helpful content that people can learn some good pointers along the way around their careers. If you enjoyed this episode, if it would be great if you could share it on Spotify, if you could share it on Instagram, if you could follow me on Spotify, that would also be pretty sweet. So I'll leave it right here. See you in the next episode. Thank you for listening.